He reigns. Amen. Well, take your Bibles and open up to Acts chapter 2. Acts chapter 2. And uh, we are continuing a series of talks right now on authentic community. And uh, this morning, uh, we're going to read Acts 2, really verse 42 through 47. And this has been kind of the foundation we've laid for uh, the rest of, of what we talked about. And today we're actually going to kind of sit here for most of our time in Acts chapter 2. And uh, as I was thinking about that, I'm, I'm curious, how many of you here would say that prayer is important? Raise your hand. How many of you say, all right, see, most of you. I'm kidding. It was, I'm pretty sure every hand went up. Now, here's a question. How many of you would say that prayer is difficult or challenging for you to practice? Be honest. Be honest. Okay. I think if we come to the concept of prayer, honestly, it's one of the most challenging spiritual disciplines that we encounter. And I say that simply from the fact that if I talk with people and I ask them, what is an area of your spiritual life, an area of your faith where you feel like you struggle the most, this is one that consistently comes up, I would say probably 98% of the time. And some of that may be because it seems strange to you or it's just uncomfortable, whatever the reason may be. We have a tendency to just struggle with this reality of prayer. And yet, those of you who read your Bibles, how many of you would say, yes, prayer is one of the things that Scripture commands that be a part of my life? How many of you say that? Okay. So I start this way because I want us to be on the same page in recognition that prayer is something that we see as necessary according to Scripture. And we're going to see an example of that today. And it's something that everyone in here, the, the most hands that were raised so far in that series of questions was that prayer was something that is important. And it's kind of interesting because even people who have no faith background at all, when something happens that's completely outside of their control, what happens? Will you pray for me? If there's a God out there somewhere, you know, I've, I've lost any other hope in anything else, so this must be what I resort to. And I've seen that time and time and time again. And so my uh, hope in talking about this this morning is that we would be a, become a community that does not resemble the cultural viewpoint of prayer, but that we would truly stand out in our devotion to prayer and that that would be something that grows in us and therefore impacts the community around us. Now, as I was thinking about this, I was reflecting upon my own challenges with this and I was immediately drawn back to uh, our season of life that uh, my family and I went through last year as we transitioned from the West Coast back to this area. And there were many, many, many unanswered questions whenever we were making that trip across the country. In fact, I often tell people that uh, one of the most challenging parts of that was uh, Sitting in that moving truck for four days, recognizing that I did not yet have a job when I got back to my landing location. 
And uh, those of you who've gotten to know me a little bit know how much I like to have things planned out in advance. And this was one of many instances in my life where God said, mm, no, you're not going to do that. And yet in the midst of that season of life, one of the things that I think became the most challenging was the question, how do I go about praying? Do I pray that God would show me directly what his will is in the midst of this? Do I pray simply for contentment? Do I pray for patience? Or do I just avoid that one because I know what comes when I pray for patience? And you see, our minds start going, and as we get into this today, I want to encourage you to stop trying to overcomplicate what God has established as what's meant to be a personal relationship with Him directly. And we're hopefully going to unpack that a little bit. Another thing I thought of was uh, if, if there's one way to gauge your visible prayer life, in other words, how devoted we are to prayer... Um, ask, ask your kids. And I read the story about a couple who invited some people over to dinner. And uh, at the table, the mother turned to their six-year-old and said, uh, Would you like to say the blessing before we eat? And uh, the child replied, I, I wouldn't know what to say. And so the mother kindly replied, Just say what you hear mommy say. Our daughter, the daughter bowed her head and said, Dear Lord, why on earth did I invite all these people to dinner? <laughs> In another instance that had me chuckling uh, this week uh, was a story about a preacher's five-year-old daughter who noticed that her father always paused and bowed his head for a moment before starting his sermon. One day she asked him why. He said, Well, honey... Uh, proud that his daughter was so observant of uh, his messages. I'm asking the Lord to help me preach a good sermon. And the child responded, how come he doesn't do it? <laughs> so I hope that as we begin this today, that uh, the pattern that is established in our own culture at E-Free and in your homes and ultimately in your personal life will lead to something that's so unique that even your children see that mom and dad, the church, the body of Christ, is indeed devoted to prayer. And so the main idea I want to share with you, and then we're going to read this text in Acts chapter 2 and pray together before we start, is that this is, if you get nothing else out of this message today, this is what I want you to get, okay? And that's that authentic community is devoted to prayer out of a dependence upon God. Authentic, real, true community is devoted to prayer out of a dependence upon God. Let's read Acts chapter 2, verse, starting in verse 42 together. And we're recognizing that this is uh, happening right after Peter's sermon at Pentecost. And there were, in verse 41... It says there were added that day about 3,000 souls. So 3,000 people roughly believed in the name of Jesus to be saved for the first time on this day. And what follows is what we see as community, 
authentic, real community resulting from what they had committed to just before that. It says, and they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship to the breaking of bread and the prayers. And awe came upon every soul and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together, everyone say together, and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. Heavenly Father, we pray this morning that as we uh, evaluate a portion of this text and think about what it looks like to be devoted to prayer, that you would challenge us, that you would transform our thinking on this subject, and Lord, that we would not simply look like the rest of culture when it comes to the concept of prayer, that we would truly model what you've called us to in your word. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So authentic community is devoted to prayer out of a dependence upon God. Now one of the things that we start this and we're thinking about this is to really define or understand what the term devoted even means. Everyone say devoted. And I came across this definition in one of the commentaries that I referenced and I thought it did a great job of highlighting this. And it simply said, devoted means exerting great effort to persist in doing something. It indicates action that is continuous and habitual. Now, just in the framework of that definition, this becomes immensely challenging. For many of us, when we think about the concept of prayer, it's kind of an abstract idea in our head that, or a tool, if you will, in our toolbox that we pull out when we need it, but then gets put away as soon as I don't. And yet you see a pattern here exerting great effort to persist in doing something. That is, that To be devoted to prayer is not something that is simply going to come natural to us. Okay? Turn to your neighbor and say, it's not natural. This is not something that was taking place in the lives of these people before they came to Christ. And yet, so often, and I am guilty of this, we kind of assume... That prayer is one of those things that people just know how to do. And yet even Jesus' disciples, the guys who walked with Jesus, they came to him and said, Jesus, how are we supposed to pray? And that's where we get the Lord's Prayer. Jesus says, when you pray, you should pray like this. And so as we even approach the subject, I want you to stop and consider for a minute that prayer is not something that at the snap of a finger, I'm just going to be good at, or that I'm even going to be able to do comfortably. That's probably the better term, because I don't like putting phrases like, well, he's good at praying, but you know what, you've got some work to do, okay? That gets really close to being like a Pharisee real fast. 
And what we see in Scripture instead is that the people of God are devoted to prayer consistently. Now, what's really interesting about this is of, there's, there's ten uses in the New Testament for this word for devoted. Okay? Ten uses of this specific word in the New Testament. Five of those uses is all in regards to prayer. And so in addition to this one in Acts chapter 2 verse 42, in Romans 12 verse 12, it says rejoice in hope, be patient in tribulation, be constant in prayer. That word constant is the exact same word that's used in Acts chapter 2 for devoted. It's the same term It's the same meaning, the same emphasis. In Acts chapter 1, just prior to this, verse 14 says, All these with one accord, speaking of the apostles, the disciples, were devoting themselves to prayer together with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and his brothers. They were devoted. Everyone say devoted. And then once again, in Acts chapter 6, verse 4. And in this section of the book of Acts, what's happening is that the apostles quickly realize that they're becoming overwhelmed or burdened by all these other things. And they go, we need to focus our attention on teaching and being devoted to prayer. And that's where they say, uh, continue That's where they say, uh, but we will devote ourselves to prayer and to the ministry of the word. The final instance is in Colossians chapter 4, where the Apostle Paul speaks directly and says, continue steadfastly, that's the word, in prayer, being watchful in it with thanksgiving. So what I want to emphasize in this is that This is not just something we see in Acts chapter 2 when all these people suddenly came to faith in Christ. And then we see them devoted to all these things. This is a consistent narrative throughout Scripture. And so there is no denying that if we take the Bible and we open it and we say, I want to seek to live like the Bible calls me to live, that prayer is an irrefutable part of that. But the broader question we might ask when it comes to applying this is not simply if it's there, because we don't deny that, we read it there, but why are these people in Acts chapter 2 devoted to prayer? And in order to understand and answer this question better, I want us to consider in the rest of our time together, what devotion does and doesn't look like, and then grapple with the reality of why this was one aspect of devotion to these new followers of Christ. The first thing I want to go to is what devotion doesn't look like, okay? What devotion doesn't look like. And the first thing I would highlight here is devotion doesn't look like praying when you are supposed to. Nowhere in Scripture do we see some sort of list that says these are the times you are to pray. It does not say 
thou shalt pray before every single meal. Okay? Now, I am prefacing this. Do not hear me say, I did not just tell you that you shouldn't pray before meals. Okay? That's not what I said. Alright? What I did say is that nowhere in Scripture do you have a list that mandates these are the specific times you're to pray. Rather, you have a consistent theme that those in Christ are to be, what's the word? Everyone say devoted. Devoted to prayer. And so if I am consistent about praying, quote unquote, when I'm supposed to, and maybe that list was made by my parents growing up, or maybe that list was made by someone uh, that I worked with or worked alongside in ministry. Maybe I just came up with that list on my own. And so you know what the staples are for when we pray. We pray uh, when we eat, we pray before we go to sleep, and we pray if things get so bad that I don't know where else to turn. That's when I'm supposed to pray. But I want to emphasize in this that these people devoted themselves to these things. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. They devoted themselves to fellowship and to breaking bread together. And they devoted themselves to the prayers specifically. Now, I guarantee you that if you sat amongst that community, that them being devoted to those prayers did not mean that they were somehow... Simply praying together before they ate and praying together before they finished and then praying together before they went to bed. This is not what this means. Okay, everyone say that's not what it means. In fact, these are all good things to practice. However, none of these cause us to become devoted to prayer in and of Ourselves to be known as someone who is such. In Isaiah chapter 62, verses 6 and 7, it says this, and I found this passage really convicting. It says, On your walls, O Jerusalem, I have set watchmen all the day and all the night. They shall never be silent. You who put the Lord in remembrance, take no rest and give him no rest until he establishes Jerusalem. And makes it a praise in the earth. Now when I read this, the first thing that came to mind is my relationship with my children. Now how many of you have been on the receiving end of your children who really, 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 really want to get your attention. And they won't stop bugging you until they do. Okay, We've, have you experienced this? And it usually sounds something like, dad, 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 or Okay, you get the idea? And it keeps going until you're finally like, what? And then you're like, I'm sorry, okay? I I heard you the first time. Just give me a minute. Let me finish my thought. And so what happens, what happens is we have become accustomed to shaping our prayer life in the same way we view A child who keeps bugging their parent. So much so that I think subconsciously we convince ourselves that I've already asked God for this. I'm not going to keep bugging him about it. I'm not going to keep praying about this because, all right, I'm one and done. I did that. Move to the next thing. And yet we see 
This emphasis in Isaiah that keep asking, keep coming back, keep persisting until he establishes Jerusalem in this context. How many of us, when we're faced with a dilemma, we're faced with a question, or faced with an insecurity, or faced with some sort of trial, or even just general life questions, will persist in prayer until we have a solid answer? We, we don't. And again, I say, when I read this passage, I was so convicted because that's exactly how I function. Okay, God, I, I'm, I prayed for this. I'm trusting you with it. And so somehow in my mind, in my human mind, I go, well, if I ask him again, have I really trusted him with it? And you cannot equate these two because God loves when we come to him and we're devoted to prayer. And we cannot stick God in our own human box simply because we get frustrated with our kids for doing the very thing that God calls us to do when it comes to prayer. In fact, God encourages that persistence, that consistency. And so we have to take God out of our own box and let him be exactly who he has established himself to be, even when it comes to our own personal prayer life. Another thing that devotion doesn't look like is it doesn't look like simply calling myself a Christian. Okay? Now what do I mean by that? There are many people who say, well, I'm a, I'm a Christian. And they equate everything that a Christian in their mind looks like as answered by that one simple term. And yet, what we see in Scripture, and even what we see here in Acts chapter 2, is that they devoted themselves to a way of life and importance of things that previously would not have mattered. Everyone say devoted. And so in the midst of this, we have to ask ourselves the question, If I call myself a follower of Christ, which is what a Christian is, that's what that term means, a Christ follower, then biblically what follows as a result of that as I develop and I become more like Jesus? Simply saying I am a Christian does not mean that I am somehow automatically devoted to prayer because it's not natural. Everyone say it's not natural. Okay, this takes work. It takes effort, exerting energy towards something that you see as valuable as being persistent in this. This is a self-discipline that has to be practiced and nurtured and trained. And it's uncomfortable when you start, but if you never start, you will never get anywhere. But just because I claim to follow Jesus does not mean I have changed my habits. Claiming Christianity is not an excuse for laziness in the areas where we are weak, okay? I want to encourage you in, in thinking about even what Paul said in Romans 6, should I continue in sin that grace may abound? By no means. I, I don't want to pursue the things that I've always pursued. I want to, I want to become more like Jesus. And what, what did he devote himself to? Jesus had a very different set of focus than 
what we do in our human selves. In fact, Jesus over and over and over and over again consistently came back. I came to do my Father's will. I came to do the will of God. I'm living in obedience to Him. And if we're to become more like Jesus, it means that we should be focusing a lot on becoming more and more obedient to who God calls us to be and less who I am just in and of myself. Hey? That's one of the biggest deceptions of our culture today. Is that somehow you just need to be you in every respect of, the, of, of what that means. And we take that to such extremes. And yet, if I am a follower of Jesus, then I, the last thing I should want to be is just be who I've always been. I should want to be more like Him. I should want to pursue what it looks like to... Not just follow what he says, but to literally embody the truths that Jesus taught and lived as our example. Third thing, when I thought about what devotion isn't, what devotion doesn't look like, is just because you petition for public prayer, or in other words, perfect it, seek to perfect public prayer, it's probably a better term for that, does not mean you're devoted to prayer. Now, what do I mean by this? Well, I'll tell you, there was one group within Scripture who was really big on perfecting the art of public prayer. Does anyone know who that was? Pharisees. Everyone say the Pharisees. And let me just emphasize this for a second. We give the Pharisees a really bad rap a lot of the time because of how often Jesus rebuked them. And yet you and I have a temptation to be more like the Pharisees than most people in Scripture. And what I mean by that is we really like rules. Our entire nation is built upon this list of regulations or rules. And we refer back to that politically all the time, right? And so we have a tendency to be rule followers, so much so that we like to perfect them and call people out who are not perfecting them. This is exactly what the Pharisees did. They were convinced that they had righteousness figured out. And they knew the law. They knew those Old Testament books, the Torah, really, really well. These were not guys who were somehow absent from their study of Scripture. And yet, what came as in practice as a result of that was a legalistic approach that was completely void of what the law was intended to do. And that was ultimately to create a dependence and a glory that was given back to God Himself to say, we need God's guidance and His oversight in our lives. And instead, what resulted in their practice was they would stand on the corner and let people know, I am fasting. Or they would pray, God, thank goodness I'm not like this guy over here. And they thought they had this perfected. And yet, Jesus' emphasis was on private, personal prayer. But even in this setting, we see public prayer, but not done in a way where it's somehow perfected outside of that. 
And one of the biggest ways I see this lived out in our Christian culture, and again, I want you to hear me out. I'm not saying this is bad, but I'm saying it's the wrong start. Is I see often people share things that say, man, we would solve all of our problems if we would just put prayer back in schools. Now, I want you to consider for a moment the impact that would have as opposed to putting prayer back in your home. And what I mean by that is we are quick to point out the areas in broader culture where we say, man, if this was here, then it would solve the issues. And yet we fail to recognize in and of ourselves, am I devoted, everyone say devoted, to this in my own personal life? Has this become such a priority that my concern is first about establishing a culture within my home and my own life that that is, that is visible in everything I do, it's a focal area. Or has it just become on the back burner and it's way easier to find the speck in my brother's eye than look at the log in my own? Now, all that in mind, I want us to think about what does devotion to prayer look like? What does it look like? And a couple illustrations I want to give on this, and this is where... Here in a minute, we get to use my, my props. I'm really excited about that. But how many of you guys know what I'm talking about when I say the pain scale you see at the hospital? With the little smiley faces? You know what I'm talking about? I got to admit, there was one time we were in the ER with my oldest daughter, and I got really bored, and so I made different facial hair and everything on every single one of those faces. And I just left it there. I don't know what happened as a result, but... Anyway, this pain scale is meant to gauge where you're at. And so the question I'd ask, when you think about, you have that image in your mind. What number do you have to be at before you pray? Where do you have to be on that scale before you say, okay, all right, God, I'm on my knees, I'm, I'm in prayer. And in the same way that that pain chart, I'm sure, is very relative depending on the pain scale or the pain tolerance of the individual. I would say that tends to be the same case when it comes to our own prayer life. For some of us, man, I'm, I gotta get a full 10 before I'm in prayer. And others of us are about a 5 and then there's the unusual person who, it doesn't matter where they're at on the scale, they're just praying. And so, the other illustration of this, and then we're going to read in Hebrews 4. Um, and so I, I would encourage you to go ahead and turn to Hebrews 4. And I'm, I need a volunteer, okay, to spin, spin the wheels. Who's going to do it? Okay, Dalton, come up here. Come on down! Okay, now, I'm just going to make sure everyone sees this first, okay? So, here we have the first first wheel. It says, when I am, okay, when I am, and then there's there's all these possibilities. This is, uh, this is quite a prize wheel, Dalton. You get to choose between loneliness, joy, grief, pain, need, ooh, there's blessing, uh, trial, confusion, fear, okay? So, go ahead and spin your wheel. Let's see what you're feeling. Oh, you're scared. 
That may be real. You're up here on stage. I don't know. Okay, so this is the emotion he's feeling. Come over here. We're not done. Now, this wheel, I'll let everyone see. You can't really see the eye because it had to cover it up with the washer. All right? Eye. And it gives all these possibilities. All right? And so we know you're scared. And so now you have the possibility of praising God, expressing frustration, ignore it, or ask for deliverance. So go ahead and spin the wheel. You're going to ignore it. I'm scared I'm going to ignore it. Okay. Now, the reality of this is, when we allow our emotions or how we feel to drive, how we respond, regardless of what's on that wheel, we never quite know how we're going to react here. We never quite know how we're going to respond. And so when we ask the question, what does devotion to prayer look like? You're going to come back here and get another emotion. We'll see if you're still scared. Okay. Go and spin the wheel a second time. Big money, big money. Okay, come on. You're still scared. Okay. But when we become devoted to prayer, all of a sudden this kind of goes away. And instead, we end up with a wheel that looks like this. Okay, so now spin this wheel. You don't really have a choice on this wheel. But regardless of what takes place, you're going to choose to pray. Okay, I got you some mints as a result. You win mints. Thanks. Give me a round of applause. Thanks for coming up here. Okay. So really what I wanted to visualize here is the response we take when as emotional human beings we react to situations. And so easily that becomes the driving force between how we react. And there's still an option. If we look back at this wheel, there's still the option here that I'm going to choose to praise God or I'm going to seek him for deliverance in the midst of that. That's still there. But when we become devoted to prayer, no matter where I'm at on the pain scale, no matter what I'm feeling over here, I know the first place I need to turn is towards God. Now, to reference Hebrews 4 here, this really establishes our need or the reason that we should become devoted to prayer and what does this look like. Verse 14 of Hebrews chapter 4. says, since then we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, everyone say Jesus, the Son of God. Let us hold fast our confession, for we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are yet without sin. How encouraging is that? To think that we are not in this alone, but we have a high priest, Jesus himself, who is not somehow outside of understanding of what we're dealing with. Verse 16 says, let us then with confidence, everyone say confidence, draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time 
of need. Now, when we come back to that main idea, authentic community is devoted to prayer out of a dependence upon God. How do we create a dependence or know there is a dependence? It starts by recognizing I have a need. And whether we realize it or not, Romans 3 establishes that every single one of us has a need. Even if life is good right now, every single one of us has a need. And that should create in us this reality that I need to depend on something far beyond myself. 1 Thessalonians 5 reminds us, rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. There's a challenge for you. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. You see, the reason these people in Acts 2 were devoted to prayer, the reason that the other passages of Scripture highlight a consistent theme of being devoted to prayer, everyone say devoted, is in the light of the broader recognition that I need help. Everyone turn to your neighbor and say, I need help. That I cannot do this on my own strength. And when I come to the realization that I need help, I have two options. I turn to myself or I turn to God. Authentic community is devoted to prayer out of a dependence upon God. Church, I want you to hear this phrase. And then I'm going to give you some specific points of application and then we're going to be done. When we don't pray, it means we have determined that we are self-sufficient. When we don't pray, it means we have determined that we are self-sufficient, church. And yet, the very gospel that we proclaim is that I cannot do it on my own. That I am not self-sufficient. So how do I become devoted to prayer? The first thing I would encourage you is recognize hindrances to your devotion to prayer. And there's four of these I'm going to highlight, and I'm sure there could be more that we list. But these are four. Four hindrances that I thought of right off the bat. One, time. We don't make the time for it. We're busy. We have busy schedules. So time is a hindrance. Technology is a Huge, frustrating hindrance. Put the phone down. Turn the TV off. What you are watching or mindlessly browsing will not make you more like Jesus. If, you're, if you are one of those people who loves to read the Bible on your phone, set aside a time during the day where you put the phone away and use a physical Bible. Way less temptation. Time, technology. The third one, temptation. Temptation is quick to remove us from any kind of discipline that we might practice. And the fourth one is pride. I'm just too proud to, to be on my knees recognizing that I need to depend upon God. I, I've got my life figured out. I take care of it. I'm, I'm too 
wrapped up in myself, okay? Those are four hindrances. How do I become devoted to prayer? Recognize hindrances. And the second one may seem really simple, and yet it's really challenging. Pray. Pray. If we recognize this is not something that just comes natural to us, but is developed, we have to start somewhere. This was such an important thing to the people who had just come to faith in Christ. They devoted themselves to it. And so how should I practice praying? Here's three things I'm going to give you. Pray generally and specifically. Sometimes we don't know what to say. Guess what? Romans 8 tells us when we don't know what to say, the Spirit intercedes on our behalf. Hallelujah. <laughs> Because there's often times that I don't know what to say. Pray generally and specifically. Secondly, pray randomly and scheduled. In other words, pray at those times that you've established with your family that you need to pray. Pray that routine and that schedule, but also pray randomly. When you're sitting at your office desk during the week, take five minutes and pray. When you're sitting at lunch with a friend, take that extra couple of minutes when you get done and pray together before you leave. When you're sitting on the couch with your spouse at night, just pause for a minute in a gap of time and say, hey, let's just, let's just pray for a minute. Just out of a dependence upon God, let's just pray. Pray randomly and scheduled. And thirdly, pray in public and in private. We see Jesus encouraging private prayer a lot in his ministry. And we also see in Acts chapter 2 that these were communities of people that were devoted to prayer together. And so these are just a few ways I want to encourage you to practice this. And to challenge yourself. Church, I am, I am with you in the challenge for these things. And there's the unfortunate perception oftentimes that simply because I'm a pastor, I don't struggle with the same things you struggle with. And that is far from true. And I'm just going to level with you. I struggle with this. My schedule gets out of hand really quick. I could spend a lot of time doing a lot of different things. And there's weeks sometimes where that's the case. And I recognize I'm convicted by that. I was just sharing with my discipleship group of guys this morning that as I've studied this, I have been really convicted that this needs to become way more of a priority in my life than it has been. Okay? And so I encourage you to join me on this journey of becoming more like Jesus. That's what we're here for. That's what we should be here for. To not remain the same. But to become more like Him each step of the way. So I'm going to invite the worship team to come up here. All right. But here's what I want to do as we close. As we close today, I want to encourage you to utilize this time, however you see fit in response to this. And maybe it's that you need to just in the privacy of where you're sitting, just devote yourself to prayer in that moment. Maybe you feel like you need to come up front here and just kneel and pray. Maybe 
you are burdened for someone else in this room and you just need to get up out of your seat and go and pray over them. Okay? And maybe you're sitting here, you're still processing, you're going, you know what, I'm just going to, I'm going to sing. I'm just going to sing. And so, I'm going to have us, I'm going to have us stand together. And then as we stand, you, you do what you need to do in this time. And the reason I'm having everyone stand is so that there's not that uncomfortable like, what am I supposed to do? Okay? Because this isn't meant to be that way. And some of you may choose to remain seated because that's just the posture you need to take. But as we think about this, I want to encourage you to ask the Lord, where is the areas of my life where I need to be devoted to prayer? How can I become more devoted than I already am? And maybe prayer is just absent completely. Take this time. Pray together. Pray in private. Pray specifically or pray just randomly. Praise God for what he's done and what he's doing. And then sing. Sing this song. God is over all I know. Heavenly Father, we praise you that you're a God of understanding, that your son is not one who is somehow absent from our weaknesses, but understands the depth of what we endure as sinful human beings and yet lived without sin. And so, Lord, we want to become more like Jesus today. Focus us now to be a people that's devoted to prayer, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.